Hi, everyone. You are now listening to BCC Sermons. Thanks for tuning in. So why do we read the Bible? I think that a lot of us have different answers to that question. Maybe if you grew up in church, you sang a little song, you know, read your Bible, pray every day. Do you know the rest of it? Annual. And what happens if you don't? You'll shrink, shrink, shrink. So why do we read the Bible? Well, some read it out of guilt, honestly. I mean, if we think about it, we read it out of guilt and they look at scripture reading as like a quota to be filled. There's something that I need to hit, like I need to hit so many passages a day or a chapter or maybe I need to get through this certain devotional text or whatever it is. And when I do that, I feel like, okay, I'll grow, 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 not shrink, shrink, shrink. And so they look at it more as a chore that they can check off their list. And so they read to avoid guilt. Some people read their Bibles to gain certain status because they feel that the more knowledge that they get, the more spiritual they are, and so they need to acquire more knowledge of Scripture. So they like being that person who is looked upon as a wise interpreter of the Bible, someone who really knows their Bible. You know, the person who can just spout out that chapter and verse, and they can speak it in the king's English, and you're just like, wow. Some people want to be looked at that way, and so they pursue reading the Bible because of a certain status of being well-versed. Others use it to prepare lessons and to teach, and a lot of times just reading the Bible, I'm always looking for nuggets, or I'm looking for something that I can share with a class or a book or a group or something I can share on a Sunday morning even. And so a lot of people approach the Bible to prepare to teach. Now, each one of those things that I mentioned as reasons for reading the Bible, they all have potential for good in them, but they also have potential for us to miss the joy of getting to know God more as well if we allow those things to do that. Because there is a good thing about their having this healthy uh, desire to read scripture. There is something to be said about the fact that if I don't read scripture, that there's a healthy amount of guilt that should act as a motivator. I want to be in the word. It should be something I want to do in the same way I should want to communicate to my wife and children that I love them and spend, want to spend time with them. And if I don't, there's a sense of guilt because I know there's something good there. But there's also this unhealthy way to look at it as well. If I allow that to be the primary thing that's motivating me to be in the word of God. So I want us to have a healthy appreciation and desire for being in the scripture and a healthy reason why that we are grounded in that. So why study the Bible? I'm gonna say something that may mess with you for just a little bit, but I promise you, you'll be okay, all right? Here we go. The Bible was written for you, but not to you. The Bible was written for you, but not to you. If we approach the Bible to try to find ourselves, we're starting at the wrong place. If we simply approach Scripture to look for me, then I'm not really trying to find who God is in the Scripture. I'm looking for myself. 
if we start from this place to answer all of life's questions, there's going to be things in here that we may not be able to find chapter and verse if you should hang out with this person, that person, watch this show or that show, go to this movie, that movie, eat this food or that food, whatever. There, it may not have quite the detailed list that you're looking for because there's a lot of things that the Bible doesn't directly speak to that will guide our lives just actually just this one particular nuance or this one particular thing. Another thing that people do, if you approach the Bible to validate your agenda or to back you up, you're starting from the wrong place. If you're wanting to be proven right in an argument or if you're wanting to go and gain scripture to be able to really get that atheist coworker or neighbor or that doubter or that person that maybe you're having an argument with or that family member, if you start from there or there's something that's socially popular or something that you want to be acceptable in your life and you go to the scripture hunting and looking for those things, church, can I tell you that you're starting from the wrong place. Because here's the thing I want us to all get. Where you start matters when defining your understanding of God. Where you start from matters a whole lot. Now, that doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't speak to issues of life. Doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't speak to who we are in Christ. Doesn't mean that there aren't things that definitely uh, are impactful to us individually as far as the way that we see ourselves. We just need to understand where we start from when we go to scripture matters a whole lot because it will shape the way that we handle and use the scripture. It will handle, it will shape the way that we go and we try to even read and share the scripture. It's very, very important because where we start matters when defining our understanding of God. So here's what we say at BCC. We start with scripture, amen? We start with scripture. That's one of our core values because if we start with our ideas or if we start with what we think is right or if we start with how to try to justify something that may be popular and then we go to scripture to try to prove our theory, then we're practicing what's called proof texting. And we're trying to go and find out how we can prove to someone else that we're right. And here's the verse that I found. So nanny, nanny, boo-boo, what are you going to say about that? You're going to argue with the Bible. You know, that's kind of the attitude and the arrogance that a lot of people will have when they're mishandling and misusing Scripture. And they're not going to Scripture for the right reasons. They're going to it to try to prove their agenda. If you want to do that, man, you can find just about anything that you can manipulate to try to give weight to your agenda, right? And people can go and take their little, uh, their, their, their scissors and cut out all their little copy and paste of various texts and make their own scrapbook version of the Bible. They can do that, and so many do that, and they do it to serve their own agenda, to serve their own ideas and to serve what they want to prove is right. And they'll string together various scriptures, but have we looked at it in a healthy way? Have we started with the right motivation? Because why we study the scripture, why we read the scripture matters a whole lot. And when we're dealing with life's issues, when we're dealing with social issues, when we're dealing with pop culture issues, man, can I tell you, church, where we start matters a whole lot. When I get into a conversation with someone that we may see things differently, a lot of times it ends up being true that where we start from is just different. We start from a different place. So are we allowing the scripture to speak to us 
Or are we speaking to the scriptures, trying to form them and make God in our own image? Because the Bible is true and we believe it. Amen? This is a very hard thing for our modern culture to accept because people look at the Bible as having elements of truth, but they see themselves as getting to choose which pieces of truth they want to believe. They want to look at the Bible as some good, helpful tidbits of information. Uh, you know, fortune cookies, perhaps, you know, uh, things that I could look at incrementally, and it has some good, sound advice. And they like to pull the things that they agree with out and say, those things I choose to believe. But then when you show people scripture and you show them the very word of God and they don't believe it, then they all of a sudden think that that doesn't make that part true. So many people in our world think that they can just cherry pick and choose which text they believe and which they don't because here's the belief that they have. They would say, I believe it, therefore I make it true. You see, something is not true simply because you believe it. I'll say that again because some of you aren't paying attention. You're like, huh, what? Just because I choose to believe something does not make it true. You see, truth cannot be relative. If you think that truth is relative, try gravity out. That works the same for all of us. I don't believe in gravity. Okay, that's fine. You can choose to not believe in gravity, but if you jump off of the top of this building, you will learn it is true. Your belief does not matter in the situation whatsoever. Your belief is irrelevant. So you can choose to, to create your own, I don't believe in gravity cult and, you know, whatever the case may be, birds or robots, I don't know, <laughs> whatever the case may be, they're drones. I, there's all kinds of crazy stuff people will believe and some of you are like, they are? What? But just because we believe something does not make it true. So don't think that your belief gives power to the scriptures. The scripture have power on their own. The scripture stands by itself whether you choose to believe it or not. That's why it's so important the way that we live our lives and the urgency of our message because we know that the scriptures are true whether we choose to believe them or not and we want those who do not believe to come to know God and to believe, amen? Because we know that these things are true, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And guess what? The things I like and the things I don't like, they're still true. And we choose to believe them, but our belief does not make them true or not because truth is not relative. It is not subject to the individual. Truth is truth, and the scripture is the foundation of truth. Amen? And that's why where we start from matters. If we start with scripture as the foundation of our belief, of, our, of, of how we construct the walls of our home, that's the very foundation. If it determines and sets in order our priorities, if it affects the way that we live and everything that we fit inside of our lives, man, it has to be something bigger than how I feel. It has to be something bigger than what's popular. It has to be bigger than anything else that would maybe garner me some acceptance in this group or that group because we try to find those gray lines so we can find acceptance in certain groups, but can I tell you, scripture is true whether I choose to believe it or not. Amen, church? If we don't submit to that, if we don't submit to starting with scripture, if we don't submit to the Bible is true and I believe it, then we run the risk of creating God in our image, and that's idolatry. The apostle uh, Paul wrote to the church in Rome when he was explaining to them 
the depravity of the human race as he began to lay down his, the foundation of his argument for the gospel and help these uh, Christians who are both Roman and, uh, and Jewish. He's trying to help them understand the scriptures and understand the gospel. And he says this as he's setting up that conversation in Romans 1 and verse 22. He says this about, those, about humanity. He says that claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So it says here, they were claiming to be wise, but actually they were fools. They thought they were smart because of their intelligence. They thought that they had things figured out. They thought that they had come up with the best way to live and the best way to run a society and the best type of culture. They thought they had come up with the best solutions. They thought they were wise and were so, so proud of our wisdom and what we've accomplished. But he said, actually, in their claim to be wise, they became fools because what they ended up doing was they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. So they took the ideals the very image of God, and they said, no, we'd rather make God in our own image. We'd rather create God in our likeness and thus elevating our ideals above the very standards and the character and the nature of God and what he says about himself in his word. And when we do that, then we begin to have this idea of a society that's run by man's ideals, by what man wants to be true by what we want to be acceptable, by what we want to be the real priority and the real issue and the real agenda. And then we do things like, wait, like, like take certain words and certain thoughts that God has already established and we begin to pervert and distort them to create them in a way that we can carve out life the way we want it. And thus we're taking the incorruptible, immortal God and we're making him in our own image and saying, you know what, that's the kind of God that I wanna serve and we're really serving ourselves. And it's self-serving and it's idolatry because we exchange the truth about God for a lie, something that we would rather have when the scripture clearly states who he is. So here's what we need to understand, church, and I want us to get this in our hearts today. We don't come to the Bible looking for options to consider. We come to the Bible looking for commands to obey. When we start with scripture, we're not opening up the Bible to go, oh, let's see what options do I want to choose? Like this is some sort of a la carte menu. And we're going, well, let me see here. Mm, I like that one. Nope, nope, not that one for sure. No, 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 no. Don't like that whole deny myself thing. Oh, love? Oh, yes, grace? Yes, yes, yes. Repentance? No, 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 no. We don't want to deal with any of that, right? We don't like those things that may challenge us. But we don't go to the Bible looking for various options to consider. And so when we approach the scripture... Man, if we want to start with Scripture and we want to have a healthy foundation built on the solid rock of the Word of God, we have to go to Scripture and say, God, I submit my ideas to you. God, I submit my thoughts about you to you and your Word. God, I submit the things I would rather have in life to you. 
the things that I'm chasing, even if it's normalized by society. And that's the hard part. When it seems all the people in the world are going the singular direction, chasing after the American dream and these American ideals, and we can get caught up in the flow, and we feel like it's normal. And if we do anything different, it makes us feel weird. Makes us feel like we're not normal. Well, guess what? You're not normal. And some of you already know that. Like, (laughs) some of you are like elbowing the person next to you because you live with them and you definitely have confirmed evidence that they are not normal. But we're not normal in the sense of the Christian is not living by the same values and principles that the rest of the world is. It's, and for us to think that we can exist in a world where we don't look any different than the world is foolish. Are we really following Christ if we think we're just gonna look like everyone else? You see, Jesus himself said that people are gonna hate you and persecute you and it's gonna be because you follow me, because you live different than the way everyone else does, because you're pursuing different things than everyone else pursues because you're living your life with a different priority. You're not looking for how can I find these options that I'm considering and find these compartments of Christ that I want to install into my life. No, it's an all or nothing following. It's an all or nothing submission. It's an all or nothing devotion. We are deeply devoted. That's another one of our core values here at BCC because we start with scripture and we understand that if I start with scripture, then I cannot get away from the fact, I cannot run away from the fact that I have to be deeply devoted. But in light of what he's done for me, how could I not be? My response should be a deepened devotion. And the more that I get to know him, the more I should want to serve, the more I should want to submit, the more I should want to trust because I see that he's just not enhancing my life here on earth and making my life better. No, he's given me a a reason. He's given me a purpose and it's for here on earth. Yes, but it's also in eternity. Amen? Amen. Disciple making starts with and revolves around the Bible. So if we're going to talk about making disciples, if we're going to talk about mentoring, if we're going to talk about all of these elements that we've been discussing for the past few years here at BCC and trying to get in our hearts, we have to understand that disciple making revolves around the scripture. And so we cannot hang on to these excuses any longer. Well, I just don't know enough about the Bible or things like this. We need to grow in that. Amen. We need to pursue that. We need to strengthen that because we're called to be disciple makers. It's the great commission that Jesus gave us. And so where we're going, our excuses are not welcome to come along with us. We have to stop making excuses and start taking responsibility for the commission that he has given us because this is the great command of Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples. And so if disciple making revolves around the scripture, I need to be a person who understands the word of God so that I can apply it in my own life and so that I can share it with others and pass it on to the next generation. Because as wonderful as it is that we have great teachers here at BCC, some of them are volunteers, some of them are staff people, some people in this room have been to seminary and know way more about the Bible than I ever will know about the Bible. I think that's amazing. That's great, but teaching the scripture and passing on scripture to the next generation is not just limited to those who are staff people or who have gone to seminary, amen? It's every one of our responsibility because Jesus didn't say, oh, just these people over here are called to be disciple makers. And so if discipleship 
revolves around the scripture, that means we all have a responsibility to learn the scripture. Not just for our own sake, not just so we can, you know, uh, defend our positions, not so we can just understand some, some, some nice little phrases that make us feel better, not just so we can go to it when we have trouble in our lives and we may find some comfort. All those things are good, but our understanding of scripture and our hunger and our passion to know God more has to span beyond just these incremental things in our lives. We have to grow in this. If we are going to truly invest in the next generation beyond our lifetime, if we're truly going to be able to accomplish handing off the baton to the next generation in a very strong and significant and powerful way, we're going to have to be people who know the scripture and who are knowing God for who he says he is, not who society and culture wants him to be. Amen, church? So here's our big idea for today. The Bible is the self-revelation of God to man. Now, I know you may be like, uh-huh, and that's your big idea? Did you run out of time studying this week, Pastor Derek? You couldn't come up with anything more. I want you to meditate on this thought, that the Bible is the self-revelation of God to man. Remember when I opened up and I said something that may have rubbed you the, the wrong way where I said that, the Bible was written for you, but not necessarily to you, because this is why the Bible was written. This is why God had the Bible written down, because he chose to use the scripture as his sovereign choice, his way that he wanted to spell out for centuries for people to know who he is. The Bible is about God, it's not about you. It's, now, you're, you're, you're in the story of God, and it shows where we fit in and why we made this whole thing necessary of Jesus dying because of our sin. And we see how he made a way where there was no way, and we see how to glorify him and serve him and submit to him and trust him. We see all those things in Scripture. But ultimately, the number one thing that we need to see in Scripture is God. It's the number one thing. So here, here I've said this before, but I want to help you out just in case you forgot or maybe you haven't heard me say it before. You ever read things in scripture and you're like, yeah, I don't know what this means. This is weird. Like anybody? I have all the time. There's weird stuff in there, man. And I don't always get it. And guess what? That's okay. Because God is not playing a practical joke on you. God did not have the scripture authored to confuse you because God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of peace. So a lot of times when I may not be able to fully grasp all of the things that maybe I don't have all the resources available or maybe I don't have the skills at this point to be able to do the historical research to maybe learn some things, why this or that happened or maybe be able to have a, a, a higher level intellectual conversation about certain nuances of uh, Old Testament rhythms and Jewish customs and culture and maybe you're not there yet. And that's okay. Like, like you don't have to know that stuff to read the Bible. Here's how you get around that stuff when you're first starting to read the scripture. Stop looking for the answers to the nuanced questions. And why did God do this? Or why is this? Or why is that? And instead start going, what does this text teach me about the character and the heart and the nature of God? That will set you free. 
I promise you, if you do that, that will set you free. Some of us get hung up. And the enemy loves to use this beautiful self-revelation of God to man to try to hang us up and go, I'm intimidated by that. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Something about a lamp and a cloud and some people died and like animals. Like, I don't get it. And, and you get intimidated and you get discouraged and you just quit. And that's exactly what the enemy would love for you to do. So instead of you trying to figure out why all of those things, why don't you just give yourself the opportunity to, instead of looking for all of those nuanced answers that you can grow in and you can learn those things as you grow in Christ and grow in the Bible, but the most important thing that will always be the most important thing is not what does the lampstand mean? It's not what does the cloud mean? What's the most important thing is what does this show me about God? Because that's the thing that will always be that thread that runs all the way through scripture. What does this show me about his character? What does this show me about his nature? How did, how did God handle this situation? What are the things that make God angry? What are the things that bless, his, that bless him? What are the things that, that, that God uh, shines upon, smiles on? What are the things you see God actively involved with? How does God interact with man? How can I learn more about his heart throughout this? That's what shapes my perspective about God, amen? And when I see that, and I see those situations, then I can understand especially some of those more Old Testament things that may be a little confusing because we don't understand all the cultural practices of those days. Man, come on, let's just be honest. Like even in America, if we look back 50 years, there were some weird cultural practices 50 years ago in our own country. Some weird stuff. Oh, we could make a list. Uh, there, there are certain, you know, things that, I mean, my goodness, it, it hasn't been that long even that women were allowed to vote, right? In our own country. And we think about just how long ago was that? I mean, it's just, it's just crazy, even the cultural things that have changed in our own country in a short amount of time. So now multiply that by thousands of years and then take it out of the West and put it into a Middle Eastern culture and you have no idea what happened, so you're going to read some weird stuff is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right? Because people will, they'll, they'll go on the internet and look for, you know, what were people wearing in the 60s and 70s and go, that's weird. And that wasn't that long ago if you compare it to thousands of years in the Bible. So yeah, there's going to be some cultural things that we don't get because we're far removed from it. And we can do our best to try to unearth those things, but the most important thing is what does this teach me about God? Amen, church? And so here, the Bible is a self-revelation of God to man. Meditate on that. Think about that. Let that anchor your scripture reading. The Bible is number one revelation. It is the revelation of God to man. It is us being able to start with our understanding of God through his written word. And it is inspired Secondly, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God inspired someone. You need to understand this. I love commentaries. I love listening to other teachers, reading other books. The only inspired person in the Bible is the original author who actually wrote it. So it's great that we have commentaries. Commentaries are not inspired, amen? So you know what that means? Commentaries can be wrong. So don't come to me and say, but my commentary said, right? Because let's not use that to establish truth. Yes, it helps us understand things. It helps us grow in some things. Yeah, but this author said this and this pastor said this. It doesn't matter. 
What does matter is the only inspired person in scripture was that original author, which means that whatever the intent of the original author was that was inspired by the Holy Spirit is the meaning of that text today. Because God is not changing his word because it can mean, if it can mean anything, then it means nothing. So we can't take the scripture and twist it and make it mean whatever we want to make it mean. God has spoken it. He spoke it to that person, gave those things for them to write down as it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, the, the Bible is illumination. So it's revelation, it's inspiration, and it's illumination. It illuminates the heart of man to see the heart of God. And it shows us his love for us. It's the starting point for everything that we know about God. And it shows us how to live to please him. Now, it may not answer all of life's questions, but here's what it does. It points us to the one who is the answer for all of life's questions. And that's Jesus. Amen. And it points us to how to live a spirit-filled life. And if I have the Holy Spirit actively at work in my life, then the things that perhaps the Bible doesn't just clearly speak to, like should I read this book, hang out with this person, watch this movie, whatever those things, how should I do this or do that, the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. And he will not lead you into anything that's contradictory to the scripture. So the scriptures act as the guardrail, that straight and narrow way. And the Holy Spirit leads and orders our steps. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Amen. And so we need to understand this is how we live a spirit-filled life for the purposes and for the glory of God. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writing inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing to a young minister by the name of Timothy. And this is what he says to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. He says here, all scripture it's breathed out by God. Think on that. Man, meditate on that thought. The Holy Scripture is breathed out by God. That's heavy. This is God breathed. So that means that, have you ever had this thought before? Like, or maybe you've even said this jokingly. Well, I'm not moving to Africa unless God audibly speaks to me. You know, like people say that because when, it, when they think about doing something for God, it's always like going and running a mission in Africa for some reason. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, granted, there is a lot of need in that country, but there's need all over the world. But for some reason, it's just kind of the default answer. Well, if God calls me to Africa, you know, he's going to have to speak to me audibly, you know. And we always say that, like, like if God speaks to me audibly, that would carry like this weight, you know, like John, you know, <laughs> Mary, you know, like, oh, my goodness, because like that's how God sounds in my mind. Um, I grew up in children's church where we had these tapes and that's how he sounded on the tapes that we would listen to in children's church and freaks me out, you know, <laughs> it's not very comforting, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> but you think about that. Have you ever said anything kind of silly like that? You know, God would have to speak to me audibly. Have you ever said that maybe tongue in cheek? Well, guess what? Um, he has spoken to you audibly because we see here that Paul tells Timothy scripture is God breathed. So when you read the scripture, God is speaking to you because it was God breathed. And so we have to understand that this is a living word. So that means not only did God speak, but he's still speaking through his word. 
This is weighty. So when you read the Bible, man, we casually read the Bible sometimes. I mean, we can just open it up just to get through our laundry list of things we have to do today if, if we're trying to be, you know, in a good rhythm of that. But, but could you just stop the next time before you open up the Bible and read and think, this is God's word. Like, how would you respond if God spoke audibly at this moment? I think we would all just be in awe. We'd probably all fall to our faces is what we'd probably do. Can I tell you that God has said his scripture is breathed by him. It's his word. Think about that the next time that you read his holy word. Go over to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Peter writes this inspired by the Holy Spirit, the, the breathed word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1. And verse three, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become divine partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, what Peter's telling the church is we all need to grow. We need to grow in understanding more about God, grow in knowledge of God, but also grow in being practitioners of that word. It's the same idea that James said, not to just be hearers of the word, but to be doers so that we can grow in this, so that we can understand his precious promises, so we can understand how to live and please God, so that we can understand his character and we can understand his nature. The Bible shows us God. The Bible shows us his standard. It shows us our inability to meet up to his standard, and that reveals our sin. But then it shows us God's mercy, his love, and his plan for restoration through Jesus Christ. Amen? And here's what he wants for you and for me. God wants you to love reading the Bible. God wants you to understand the Bible. Pursue knowing God more through studying the Bible. Pursue knowing him more. Over, over in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says this. Peter writes, like newborn infants, long for the spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter says here that we should long, we should desire for that spiritual nourishment church there is no other spiritual nourishment that is quite as clear as the holy word of God amen it is spiritual nourishment and Peter says long for that like a baby longs for its mother's milk it, it that baby is so satisfied so thankful for and so hungry for and so, so made complete and, and given all of the things from, from the mother that 
it needs to be able to grow in strength and health. And God has given us that in his word. And he says, long for the word like you long, like a baby would long for that mother's milk. Have that type of desire in you. So here's the thing, church. When we grow in understanding the Bible, we know reading in context matters. We can't cherry pick. We need to read the whole book before first attempting to focus on one or two sentences. We need to be people who are astute studiers of the word of God. Ask ourselves, what would the original hearer or reader or the original intended audience have heard? And then we need to ask all of the the who, what, when, and why questions. Why was it written? And we need to find a biblical interpretation through understanding what they would have first heard. And what is God speaking to us? And what is he calling us to? And I always say this, this is just something I hope helps you. Um, ESV study Bible and the NIV study Bible are two of my favorites. Um, If you're looking to buy a new study Bible because those notes are helpful, just remember the text is inspired, the footnotes are not, the commentary is not. So there's potential for error there. But at the same time, don't take those things and run with them if you just read it in the commentary. It's there to help you not to establish your foundation of truth. That's what the Bible is for. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray for a deeper love for the Bible if you don't have a deep love for the Bible already. And if you do have a deep love for the scripture and your why is because you do want to pursue knowing God more, that's awesome. Then you need to continue to pray more for a deeper love for his word to get to know him more and and use those things that you've learned to help other people around you because all of that's not just for you amen so i want to challenge you to step outside of just you pursuing god for your own personal growth that's great that you're doing that but part of that personal growth is that you share that with other people so it's time for you to step out and expand and invest in others so that they too may love the Bible like you have grown to love the Bible and grown to know more about God and grown to love God more. And so if you're struggling with that desire, I mean, cause that can be tough, like I get that. I would encourage you to pray for that. Pray a bold prayer, ask God, maybe even before you leave this auditorium, maybe even before you leave this moment, maybe you just take a moment and you say, God, help me to have a deeper love for your word because those things that we talked about today they're important and i want those things to be true in my life i want those things to be impactful in my life and i want to pass that on to the next generation so search your intentions why do you read the bible why do you study scripture and here's my last thought before we go I want us to start somewhere. Doesn't matter how small. You don't have to sit down and read the Bible in one sitting this afternoon. You know, I get that. Like, it'd be impressive if you did. But some people put, put uh, unrealistic expectations on themselves and you set yourself up to fail. Don't do that. I just want to encourage you to start somewhere. And if you don't know where to start, I would encourage you to start in the Gospel of John. Start in John. If you... It tells you the story of Jesus. And that should just stir your heart to love God more, to see how Jesus loved us by giving his life for us and how he loved people, how it should shape our values and 
shape the way that we live to be able to please God. If perhaps you've read the gospel and you're like, give me something else, pastor, that I can just get to know God more, I would encourage you to read through the book of Romans because Romans talks about the gospel and helps to clarify the gospel and helps us to understand what really matters in light of eternity and how to live that way. Or perhaps read the book of James. I would encourage you to do that. Whatever you do, I'll tell you this. If you're new to reading the Bible, I would discourage you from starting in Genesis. Not because Genesis is a bad book. It's a great book. It tells us about creation. But after creation, some things get weird. And you need to know a little bit more about the Bible before you try and figuring those things out. But even if you do read Genesis, remember what I said earlier. There, there may be some strange cultural things in there. Remember what I said earlier. Look for the heart of God in it. If you want to start reading Genesis, go for it. But read Genesis looking for the heart of God. So let's pray and let's ask God to help us as a church with this. To help us this, with this as family. So Lord, we ask you to lead and guide our desires today. And I pray, Father, that there'd be a new hunger in the families here at BCC and those who are watching online, there'd be a newfound hunger for the things of your word, to know you more through your word, that we may be anchored on that solid rock of the true revelation of your word and your truth that our lives may be built upon. God, help us to do that. Stir in us a hunger, and we pray that you would remove the obstacles of intimidation and the excuses that the enemy would try to throw our way, that we may love you and know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in online. Our in-person service times are at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. To learn more about BCC, visit us at bettendorfcc.com. Have a great day.